Okay, well, let's get started this morning with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us as children. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve your son. We don't deserve, Lord, all the good gifts that you give us. And Lord, every perfect gift and every good gift cometh from above. From the Father of lights, whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. And I thank you, Lord, that in your timing, you have chose us to put us in this time. And Lord, that you've given us the ability to see your word, hear your word, and do your word. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you please bless this this morning as I uh, speak from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, today is our anniversary Sunday. Hi, Brother Mohan. How you doing? Um, and today we're going to talk about Jude, but I just want to take a little bit of time and talk about um, our church and what's been through and, and what God has done for it. Uh, you think about the uh, ability for us to be able to have this nice big building and and uh, you think about the abilities that it has to be able to have a nice service. And you think about the, you know, the pews and the pulpit. You think of all these things. It's come by people that were before us. People that understood the word of God. Took serious the things of the word of God. And applied them to your, their lives. And they gave, they sacrificed, and they did the things that were necessary to make this church real. Uh, of course, we joined the church back in 2008, and I'm um, very thankful for Garfield Ridge Baptist Church and what it's meant to me. And uh, and I want to say, you know, on this, this is our 56th anniversary, I want to thank all those that took the time to make Christ real in their life enough to sacrifice and start a church in this neighborhood. And I hope for years to come, this church will be here. This church will be growing. This church will be a lighthouse in this community. And, uh, and I appreciate those that are here today that have continued to support this church and be behind this church. So that's all I have to say about our anniversary Sunday. I didn't want to let it go without saying, and I, and I think to be quite honest with you, we can, as, we, as Christians, we can continue to bring out the heritage of the people before us. You know, the one thing that brings us all together is the fact that we are all Christians. We all have the same goal. We have all the same motive, and that is what? To serve Christ. When you take away from the motive of serving Christ... And you're serving self, you're serving other, others besides what Christ wants you to do. You're serving uh, uh, a religion. You're serving just a church, not Christ. It really destroys any type of unity there is in the church. Because the motivating factor should be glorify God. Glorify God. Glorify God. When you glorify God... That's when God is happy. We might be small in number. We don't have a lot of people in this church, but I am thankful for the fact that Christ has given us the ability to meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I have no closer friends than the people that I have in this room. And I say that with all sincerity because I know for a fact 
I could go down the street. I know kids that I went to college with. They're not serving God today. I, I know kids that I, that I went to the Christian school with. They're not serving God today. My own cousins. My own cousins. They have no desire to serve God. Where am I going to find people that have the same heart and desire and common uh, unity is right here in this church. So I'm standing here today saying I'm thankful for it. So we talked about the importance last week about Jude. And we find Jude was the brother of who? Anybody know? What? Hermanos. Hermanos de Jesus. Jesus, okay? And also his other brother was James, okay? I, I pointed out last week the importance that here we find that Jesus had two brothers that not only lived and believed on Jesus Christ, but also they took books. Look at the brother of James and Jude, both were brothers, and they wrote books in, in, in the Bible. I tell you what, there is a certain thing about having a family that's all serving God together. And I'm excited. If you see your kids turn out for God, hallelujah. In this day and age, it seems like kids kind of like leave the church and they never come back. But praise God that we do have a desire to serve God together. We find here that Jude was also written between the period of 66 A.D. and 80 A.D. So if you take Jude... And you look at the end of the, the Old Testament or the New Testament, the destruction of the temple was when? 70 AD. So it was in between somewhere in the time, might even be after the destruction of the temple. A good way to remember when Jude was written is by remembering what book it's before. What is the Jude written before? Yes. Revelation. Okay. And Revelation is what? Revelation is the end of the Old Testament. So you want to find out when June was written? You just look at where, where it's at in the Bible. And the last point that I talked about with the introduction is the theme of the book. The theme of the book. That is what? Contending for the faith. All right. Contending for the faith. And we'll find, if you go to Jude, you'll find the verse that talks about contending for the faith. Where it tells us in Jude, and if you're there, if you're not there, turn there. Jude's a real short book, so if you blink, you might not find it. Turn to Jude. It's right before Revelation. And it tells us in verse 3, the very famous verse, in verse 3 it says that you, and exhorts you that you should what? Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now I love that people like to say, earnestly contend for the faith. He's going to be earnestly contending for the faith, right? Your debate's win. Thursday, okay. Is our last Thursday or this Thursday? 
He's going to earnestly contend for the faith. Brother Mohan? I saw this week the Church of Christ. I don't know if this is in correlation with your debate, but they had a huge convention at uh, the McCormick Center. So I was kind of wondering if you were going to be in that, if that was going to be something that was going to be part of it. So they probably trying to belt it out. I don't know what the Church of Christ is trying to do and trying to get people to be a part of their church or what. But the interesting thing, Brother Mohan, he's going to get up and he's going to debate what? The faith. Now, the interesting thing is, it says in the last point, you've heard people say, earnestly contend for the faith. Look at that last part, which was once delivered unto the saints. Okay? Who are the saints? Who are the saints? You are! You're right! She is right. Araceli, I know. You know, thankfully, God's blood covered her, so she can be called a saint, all right? But you know what? The Bible says that you are a saint. If you're saved, listen to me, if you're saved by the grace of God, you are a saint of God. Now you say, Brother Harold, you know, Brother Lewis is looking at his wife. ever happened to you, brother. Yeah. Your wife. She, she's the best thing ever. Okay. Brother Oscar. I can say Brother Oscar's a saint. I'm not looking at me and say, Brother Harold. I know Brother Oscar is not a saint. No, the Bible says that we are saints if we're a saved individual. And how are we saints? It's not by our own goodness. But by what? By God's grace. When you come into my house on the front porch, I have a sign that says what? By grace alone. Okay? There's no other way that I can come to Jesus Christ but by his riches. By Christ's expense is the only way that I can come to Jesus, come and to be a son of God. So here we find, what does he say? That was once delivered unto the saints. It's not talking about what the Catholics have come up with. That's not the faith. People like to lump. faith in a chair that might not hold you up when i was when i was in the uh, fifth grade i had this girl and i probably have told this story once before her name was april hall and april hall was probably um she was probably a good mm, i want to say i was about five foot five five foot six at that time and she was probably i want to say she was probably five ten five she was a big girl and she probably weighed close to 250 300 pounds and we would sit, at that time, we would have these little chairs that we would sit on for grade school. And I remember April Hall sitting down on one of them. And it going, poof, completely. And of course, everybody, you know, you didn't want to laugh, you know, because not because it wasn't funny, but because of the fact that we were afraid we'd get demerits for laughing. Um, and I remember watching that girl. She had faith. In that chair. But what was wrong? That chair did not hold her, did it? Many people today have the faith in their religion. They have faith in their pope. They have faith in other things that are in that is involved in their life. But guess what? Does that faith hold them? No. The Bible says you're going to stand before God someday and you're going to have to give account of yourself to God. The Bible says... That every knee shall bow. 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, people now no longer look to Jesus Christ as Lord, but instead they're looking to Mary. They're looking to their faith as Lord. They're looking to the, their selves. How good can I be to get myself into heaven? But you know what? The only thing that's going to count is what we did with Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's where we earnestly must contend for the faith. Brother Mohan is going to be debating. I'm going to bring you up a lot, brother, because I think it's a great illustration. I'm going to kind of jump on the back of it. So what are you going to be contending for? What are they saying? save you, praise the Lord. If that's the case, everybody that took a shower this morning is saved. Amen? Oh, I didn't get any amen, amens out of that. Okay, well, that's good, because water baptism doesn't save you. Amen? I was going to wait for someone to say, Amen! They're like, did you just wake up? Uh, but here we find what? Their faith is they believe that water baptism saved you. If it were water baptism, and I'm not going to get ahead of Brother Mohan, guess what? It wouldn't be by faith, would it? It would be by works. And so in a sense, what we are earnestly contending for is that Christ is the only way to heaven. It says in verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old. Uh, go there to verse 4. So brother, brother Juan doesn't have to translate that entire verse for you. For there are certain men crept in. And unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So the salvation in a nutshell is what? Is faith in Jesus Christ. If you have no faith in Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, then you have no way to salvation. Because it's only through Jesus Christ's blood that you can be able to gain entrance into heaven. So we find here in verse 4 or verse 3 the importance of earnestly contending for the faith. Now we went through some of the uh, things and I talked about uh, some of the examples of apostasies that we had. We had Israel. We had the fallen angels in verse 6. I talked about the idea of Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 7 and 8. Cain, in verse 11. Balaam. Everybody knows, remember Balaam. The guy that had a donkey speak to him. And lastly, Korah. Okay. Now there's five word pictures of apostasy. Okay, what is apostasy? Brother Oscar, what's apostasy? Leaving the truth. Okay. If you cannot... I use the word apostasy for my Spanish-speaking friends. Apostasy is this idea... That you're, you know what the truth is, and you leave it. Okay? There is nothing close to the truth. Uh, you can look at uh, most of the modern faiths today, the Presbyterians, the Methodists. Uh, I believe you can tell the Pentecostals at one time believed in what? They believed in faith. But some of them today, faith in Christ alone. But what they've done is they've perverted the gospel. They've taken and said, okay, well, yeah, you need to be faith with Jesus Christ, but you also need to add 
this? Okay? What is this? Works. Uh, it could be tongues. It could be uh, you need to be baptized, as Brother Mohan mentioned. It could be you just need to be able to uh, uh, do good works, whatever it may be. It was funny. Funny, I talked to a young man. I was driving for Uber the other day. This is my brother Ralphie. Good to see you, brother. And he said, I talked to him. I said, so let me ask you a question. It was kind of funny because I don't think he expected for me to know anything about doctrine or anything of that nature. And I, he, he passed by this church on our way to wherever his destination was. And he mentioned to his girlfriend, he goes, he goes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a church. You know, that's, that's our church. And, you know, they were mentioning something. And I said, I said, oh, you guys go to church. What church do you go to? And he goes, well, we go to the Methodist church. Oh, okay. So I started questioning him. I kind of grilled him a little bit just to see where he was at. And I said, so let me ask you, what is the Methodist belief? And what, 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 what does it take to get to heaven? The interesting thing is he did say the word, you need to repent. And the interesting thing was, though, but he added to it, oh, but you also need to be good. <laughs> it was kind of interesting. I gave him that understanding. I thought, well, I was excited. I was like, this kid actually saved. And then he added to it. Listen to me. If you add anything plus Jesus Christ, you don't have salvation. It's only by grace alone. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves you. It's nothing else. And there's, there's five different word pictures. Uh, how do you explain a word picture? Okay. Um, like an object lesson. Okay. People like, do you understand that, Brother Juan? Okay, an object lesson's like this, okay? Uh, let's see here. Oh, what is a good illustration here that I can use? Oh, here we go. I have a plant. Okay, the Bible talks about the plant, okay? It uses the idea of Christians, when they're babies, what happens? They're tiny plants, okay? They're very tiny. But once they read their Bible, of a word picture. First of all, we find in verse, um, hmm, uh, verse, thir uh, verse 12, it says, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees who wi fruit withereth. Without fruit, Twice dead, plucked up from the roots, waging waves of the sea, foaming out their shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. So I'm going to take a couple of them here and we're going to look at them. First of all, clouds without water. Clouds without water. How many 
been in a drought. When I was younger, in the late 80s, there was, in the 88-89, in the Midwest, there was a time when it didn't rain for almost a full summer long. And I remember as a kid remembering how hot and how dry it was. And every time you'd look up at the sky and you'd see a cloud, you'd think, woohoo, it's going to rain, it's going to cool down. But then it would just kind of, and it would go by, and it wouldn't rain. And it'd go, oh. I remember being so excited at the end of the year in August, right before school started, and it was pouring outside. I remember asking my mom as an eight-year-old, hey, can I go out and play on the rain, Mom? She goes, no, it's thundering outside. Are you crazy? And as the same sense, when we talk about the idea of apostasies, they're clouds with water. We see them. Oh, they might look good. You go to a Jehovah Witness convention. You go to a, uh, a Mormon convention. You can go to the Church of Christ convention. They might even, my friend, they might even car- carry a King James Bible. It's rare, I know. They might have a nice suit on. Oh, they look sharp. Okay? They might look like Mr. Oscar. Okay? Just toting his King James Bible, his suit, you know. He looks good, you know. But what does it say? They might even say, praise be to Jesus. But the problem is not so much what they look like, but what do they produce? Okay? If you're a cloud without water, you don't produce anything. You play the part. You look the part. But listen to me. You don't do your part. As a Christian, when you are faithful to God and doing God's will... Not only will you look the part, and you will act the part, but you will do your part. Every Christian has a responsibility to make sure that they are producing something. What happens when you don't produce something? These Church of Christ people, they might tell you, oh yeah, you, you can do this. You can, you can get baptized and be saved. The Methodists might say, hey, you just need to do some good works. But what happens when these people try to live and they don't experience success from their faith? Are we there yet? And we're missing a word here. We got it? Which one? Oh, good. Okay. Success from their faith. And what is that? Well, I believe that success of your faith is, first of all, peace. Peace. If you don't have peace, you don't have God. You don't have Christ. There should be something that's calming effect inside when you've been faithful to serving God. But listen to me. When it's a cloud without water, it's going to bring one or three things. First of all, it's going to bring a false hope. A false hope. Oh, yeah, I know that I can get peace from God if I do these things that my church tells me to do. No. The second thing it's going to bring is discouragement. Is discouragement. Every time that God's word is not followed, what do you get? You get discouragement. You say, well, why is my life like this? And why am I not receiving the peace of God that passes all of it? comes back to the same idea 
that you're a cloud without water. You're, you're trying to act the part. You're trying to look the part, but you're not doing the part. God has a responsibility. It not only clouds without water, not only does it bring water, but it darkens the sun. You know, usually when a cloud comes by and it's black and it's, it's, it's cloudy, it looks like it's going to rain, what happens? The sun goes away. But there's a good part about a black cloud. It looks like it's going to storm. When I'm outside, I've been telling my wife, I like the rain. Why? The rain helps the plants to grow. I've recently, I've gotten our garden tilled a few times and got it all, the, the dirt uh, cultivated. I've got it brought up. It looks good. I'm ready to what? Plant seed. The rain comes down and it waters my seeds. And before long, what happens? The plants begin to crawl. But what happens when your cloud, hi, Miss Teresa, when your cloud is not full of water? It has no purpose. It does nothing but block the sun. And we look at the sun as what? In this illustration, we're looking at the sun as the brightness is what God is. He brings what? Light upon our life. When you don't do God's part, when you don't do what God's will is, listen to me, you're eventually going to not only be discouraged, but you're going to what? Discourage others. You're going to be the part where you just, man, I can't believe that brother Harold, he is just a discouragement to me. You know, he says he's going to try to live for God. And I asked him, you know, hey, how you been? Oh, yeah. There's no encouragement. There's no lifting up. There's no desire to serve God. And so what do I do? I bring down, I dampen other spirits in serving Jesus Christ. Because I've become a what? A cloud without water. Secondly, we can look here at the raging waves of the sea. The raging waves of the sea. And it says in verse 13, let's start back in verse 12. It says, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried bout of winds, whose trees, whose fruit withereth. Without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Verse 13. Waging waves of sea foaming out their own chain. Whoa. What does that mean? Raging waves of the sea. How are we going to explain this one? You say, Brother Harold, this is some deep stuff here, brother. You're really getting deep here. Okay? Well, let's try to simplify it. Let's try. We're in Jude. I'm sorry, Miss Teresa. We're in Jude verse, chapter 1 and verse 13. Raging waves of the sea. You know what happens when you go to the sea? When I was a kid, I remember we went to Lake Michigan in April. And it was freezing outside. But as a kid, I loved it, man. I came back and I had hypothermia. I literally had blue legs because it was so cold. And I remember coming back. Man, it was a great time. But I remember the waves were huge. They'd come up and they literally would just have this foamy wave just come up and, and hit. I remember it tossing me back. In the same sense, how does a raging wave compare to someone that's in apostasy? They're not only are they showing that they are they don't do the part, but they're ashamed of Jesus Christ. They're ashamed to Christianity. They're throwing out their uh, their their bot their their um, 
their guile. They're throwing out their, their hatred. They're throwing out their flesh. And they're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but that. Someone that has left Christ and is no longer in the truth, their life is nothing but a thing of shame. Everybody in here could probably mention a pastor, a Christian, a brother in Christ that you knew that were a brother in Christ, and they have left the truth. They no longer serve God, but instead, what do they serve? They serve idols. It might not be the idols of of, of uh, what someone has made, but it could be a car, it could be a job, it could be money. And they've gone and left that, and their life, they still claim to be a Christian, but they're what? They're spewing forth their shame. No longer are they encouragement to people, but instead they discourage others. And not only, you've probably heard of someone that has left God, and not only are they leaving God, but they're also showing others that are not saved, this is how a Christian should act. What is the first thing that you ask someone to come to church and be a part of your church service? What are some of the first responses that you will get? One of those things will be a response of what? Well, you know what? There's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites in church. Right? How many ever heard that? Bunch of hypocrites in church. I used to, I like to tell when people tell me that. I like to tell them, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to the gym? Yeah, well, yeah, I've been to the gym. Well, let me ask you this question. Do people that are in fit and trying to, uh, uh, they don't have problems with their health and, and things like that, do they come to the gym? Or is there fat people in the gym? Well, yeah, there's fat people in the gym. Well, wait a minute. I'm not going to the gym because there's all kinds of fat people there. What kind of a reasoning is that? When you come to church, it is full of what? Sinners. It should be full of sinners. If it wasn't full of sinners, it was full of saints. We shouldn't have a church. Why? Because they don't need Jesus. But that's what we're here for. But they usually say, hey, yeah, there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. And they could probably name I knew this guy at work. Man, he was nothing but a hypocrite. And we'd talk dirty stories, and he would talk right along with us. And he would do things that were just, oh, man, it was nothing. And then he'd say he's a Christian when it was uh, acceptable to say he was a Christian. What has he become? He's a raging wave. Right? It's foaming out at shame. All over, right? There is no hope for those. And listen to me. When you leave the truth, you are nothing but what? Throwing out shame upon the people that are around you. There's a verse that says, Let us weigh aside, lay aside every weight, which what? So easily what? Besets us. And run with what? Patience. The race is set before us. We are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Listen to me. If you want to be a raging, and I'm about out of time, when you want to be a raging sea that's tossing out your shame, foaming out your shame, throwing out your shame, you go right ahead. But remember, you're 
cause of Christ. So we've talked about not only the clouds that have no, uh, have no rain. We've talked about the raging sea. But let's talk about something else. How about we talk about autumn trees? How many's ever had a tree in their backyard? I have, when I was a kid, I remember, this is when Earth Day became real, okay? This is before the whole uh, global warming craze. This is back in the uh, late 80s. And I remember they would push on us, Earth Day. You're a little bit younger than me. But in the late 80s, I remember, and they came to, to school, and everybody got a sapling. Sa Did I say that right? A sapling, okay, a tree, a little teeny tiny tree. And we were supposed to plant that tree. And I remember watering it. It didn't happen overnight. And eventually what happened to it? Dead. Didn't grow. Okay? Here's the problem with apostate. If we read here in verse 12, it says, These spots, uh, let's go to verse halfway through. Clouds air without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Plucked up by the roots. Man, that's some good preaching. Brother Oscar, you can borrow this sermon, okay? I heard this. I heard this one time. Tells you how far ago I remember it. I'm 35 now, 17 years ago. I still remember it. Are you going to be the Christian that produces no fruit? Where are you at? There's three different ways. Either number one, Christ comes along and he says, What did he say to the fig tree? What did he say? Curse the tree. Right? And then he says, Give me a give me a year. Let me dig it up. Let me fertilize it. Right? Goes back a year later, it still hasn't grown. What does he tell him? Dig it up and throw it in the fire. It's no good to you. Listen to me. When you are a Christian and you become apostate, you become twice dead. Listen, when you first get saved, God saves you. Praise God. Listen to me, folks. You become dead again. When you quit producing fruit, you become dead. And God's going to pluck you up by your roots. You have become apostate. You leave the power source. You believe. You leave the fertilizer and the water and the soil, the word of God and prayer. Listen to me. You will become dead again. There's many Christians here today that in this world today that have said, Yeah, I'm a Christian. Glory be to God. What are you doing now? What are you doing for Jesus Christ now? What does it say here? Twice dead, without fruit. Trees who fruit, whose fruit withereth. You can look at people all day long and you can say, Wow, yeah, I'm a Christian. Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? There should be something that people can say, Wow, I am Testimony in your community. I'm telling you, 
It's hard for me not to talk about Jesus Christ with my customers through Uber. I literally have to self-consciously not talk to them. Because it just comes out. Our conversation just kind of... I've ever had the magnets when you were kids. You ever play with magnets? Angel, you ever play with magnets? Yeah? What do you do when you have them further apart? Let one go, what happens? Boom! Right? It's kind of the way that conversation goes with someone that's unsaved. It's like, you try your best, but boom, run right into it. And I'm telling you, let me tell you something, folks. When you're apostate, when you leave the truth of God, you're not showing any fruit. You might as well just be thrown in the fire. And that's where I'm going to leave today. But I want you guys to remember those word pictures. We have one more, and we'll talk about it next week, the wandering stars. But when you leave the faith, when you leave the truth of God and serve idols, listen to me, you're eventually going to go what? You're going to be dead. I found that most Christians don't die. Let's close in a word of prayer. Brother Eddie, would you close us in a word of prayer this morning?